Hello and welcome to Which Way for the Church podcast number six of ten. This time we spoke to the amazing Nicola Denya, the lay ministry development officer for Newcastle Diocese. What a title, but this is what a talk. May you be encouraged as you listen to this, as we look at who Jesus is and which way the church is going. So, um, Nicola, and like we ask all the other guests, um, who are you and what do you do? Well, who am I? So I'm Nicola. Um, I am a reader at St. Mary's Monk Seaton. Um, no Barbara from way back um, from that. And I am lay ministry development officer. But aside from that, um, I am married to Nigel, who's a, a um, CAMS nurse, so child and adolescent mental health nurse. He's based in North Shields and we have three kids. So we have Ollie and Ollie is 19 um, and going to Liverpool next year to do economics or this year even. I'm, not, I'm just not thinking that it's this year. Um, and then we have Aidan and Aidan is 17 doing A-levels and then we have Iris and Iris is four. And Iris was a surprise, <laughs> and the most beautiful surprise in the world. I used to be a midwife, um, a nurse and a midwife, and my husband's a nurse, so Iris was obviously meant to be here. Um, but she adores her big brothers, and they absolutely adore her. And, and she was definitely, yeah, she's one of those children that you look at and think you've got something to do, yeah. actually. So I used to be a nurse, then I trained as a midwife, um, and then I worked for, I always worked at North Tyneside Hospital um, as a midwife. And then I became safeguarding children trainer for the hospital trust. So I kind of drove right up to Berwick, right across to Hexham and right down to here, teaching people about child protection, signs, symptoms and what they have to do. Um, but then unfortunately in 2009, um, my back went really badly so a patient had fallen on me when I was nursing and he was the loveliest I was working at that time on the adult leukemia ward so this lad was 19 a farmer's son from Cumbria so he was as broad as he was tall um, and he was dying he was really unwell and um, he had leukemia and we were lifting him well we were moving him on to use the toilet and he asked for a hug so I bent over to give him a hug and he fainted and kind of took me down. So would I do it again? Yes, I would, because he needed a hug. But it did mean that in 2010, um, I was pensioned off from the NHS because my back was so bad. And at that time, I was in a wheelchair, I was on crutches, I was on 150 milligrams of morphine a day. It was awful. The boys were only five and seven something like that so I'd gone from having a vocation working full-time you know part of a team and all that that gives you is your identity to suddenly being kind of locked in the house and you know losing that kind of role in regards to church I was born in Wooler right in the north of Northumberland and until I was eight went to church in the um, Church of Scotland, really, URC, you know. So I remember sitting there as a little baby, you know, and seeing the individual cups come out for communion, as they did then. 
And then my dad was working for Northumberland County Council and we moved from Muller to Cramlington because he was based at Morpeth, so it was too far from Muller to travel. So if you can imagine going from a small village where my dad had lived all his life and my mum came from Lawick, so a little bit more towards the coast and Holy Island. Um, so we moved from there when I was eight to a new town, which Cramlington is, and my parents are still there, but I missed it. You know, I was a rural girl, really. You know, all my friends were farm labourers, daughters. We did the sheepdog trials. We spent the summer on haystacks. And, you know, maybe I'm looking at it a little bit, but it, it was wonderful. So Cramlington was a different kind of experience, which I grew to love. Um, but we tried to find a church in Cramlington. And for my parents, there was nothing that was the same as that church that my ancestors had gone to forever. So we, stood, we didn't go to church, um, and it wasn't something that I ever thought about until 2010-11. So this was the time when my back, you know, doctors had said there was nothing I could do, I'd just been pensioned off, pain was ridiculous, I couldn't drive anywhere myself, you know, it was all just a bit tough. And then Aidan, who's the middle one, um, came home and he was at Beavers, at St Mary's Church Hall, so the church, the parish where I am now. And it came running in, and it's just this time of year, and there's other things actually from this service that have made me go, this is really weird. Because he brought home a flyer that church were having a pancake party. So this kind of time of year. And I said, I can't take you. Nigel was at work, my husband, you know, I couldn't drive. It was all too difficult, but he went on and on and on. We have to go, we have to go. So eventually I said I'd take one of his friends if his mum could drop us off. Walked in to St Mary's, was met by Sue Hart, who some of you might remember, who was the reader um, at St Mary's at the time. And I'd said tonight that I would be away for about half an hour max, you know, Aidan could eat some pancakes and then go home. And I was there for about two hours and I walked in the house and I said to Nigel, you know, I think I might go there on Sunday. And he went, why? And I went, I don't know. I don't know. So I went back, was given a service sheet. You know, at the time we had lots of staff um, up the front at St Mary's. I thought they were all beggars because they were all wearing robes, didn't know what any of them meant. You know, the book could have been written in any language because I didn't understand it, so I just kind of watched to see what other people were doing, you know, on my crutches, so I could kind of stand up and get down. Um, and because of it was this time of year, they started a Lent group. So we, quite often at St Mary's, and we haven't, sadly, because of COVID, we have videos where we watch a film, and we have house groups. Um, so I thought, mm, well, go along to that, see what this is all about. And I just happened to get the loveliest people, actually, in my Lent group, um, who have continued to support me ever since. But I remember we were watching a film of Jesus Christ, um, not the Mel Gibson one, but another one. And they were all having a discussion and they said, Pentecost. And I was like, okay. And I sat for a bit 
And I thought, I'm going to have to ask because, you know, if anybody ever asks a stupid question, you can guarantee I'll be thinking it or I'll ask it. So I had to go, what's Pentecost? I didn't know. And so that was kind of where I entered church, you know, not coming for a long time, not knowing any of the words, but feeling drawn to the community at first, I think. So for me, belonging came before believing. Um, but yeah, so, so I'm not, I haven't been in the Church of England forever. But I was lucky that we got to a place where there were some great priests. So Robin Greenwood was there at the time. So people who were able to discern that there was something in me. So I did a Living Theology Northeast course, which was a year-long course at the time where you dabble a little bit in theology, books of the Bible, what mission is, all that kind of stuff. And it was during that time that my calling to read a ministry came through. Um, so just as people have done here, if you fill in the application forms, and I, even at this point, Dan, I was still thinking, you know, somebody's going to go, this isn't for you. You know, this is, but anyway, went for the interview and was selected to go forward for reader ministry training. And that was wonderful. That was the best, well, it ended up being five years. I was going to say that was the best three years of my life, but life gets in the way, doesn't it? So um, I had to take a year off in the middle because my best friend's husband died after a motorbike crash and my father-in-law died all within two months of each other um, and I just didn't have the headspace and it felt then that church was becoming a task. It was a job. And I remember again Sue Hart saying, right, just stop everything. Take the year off your course come off all the groups at church, you know, come off the PCC, come off this duty, come off that rota, and just come and worship. And actually that was the greatest gift. Yeah. Wow. I told we, you I was loud. Yeah, when yeah, Nicola gets going, um, hey, I can just, just stay at home, you know, it's great. <laughs> but I just wanted to stop you there because I think you said so many amazing things and I want us just to reflect on that with fact that we're looking at which way for the church and here's you you're from up in the the wilds of Northumberland and uh, and and your journey is taking you to Cramlington and all these other different places and um, yeah I, I just I just guess you know when we think of people on the outside of the church we sometimes think gosh they have to be a certain type of person and I and I think you're kind of just giving us that that sort of feeling that you know you don't need to believe before you belong and I think that that is so important isn't it as a church and I think with all the things that we are going to be doing this year and beyond it's not about having to have a tick box before you are part of Holy Cross and uh, I think that's just really encouraging to hear um, and it's great it's great that you're just you're sharing your, your life story as well the fact that you are not some superwoman who's just come in off the street so you know you actually God uses you where you are in, in the midst of your brokenness um, just, um, could you just show a little bit about your role then, what you do in the diocese as a lay ministry officer, is that right? Lay ministry development officer. So this is, a, this is kind of a thing that if five years ago you would have said that I would be working with a diocesan role, I would have been like, no way. I would have just laughed. Because I think I was the one person in our church who whenever it came out, like the diocese is gonna do this, I'd be like, you know, we'll wait and see what happens.
But yeah, so my role now, and I've been doing it since May last year, so it's still pretty new, is Lay Ministry Development Officer. So we were, so Rob, who, did he kick off? Was he? It was a second Second one. after yeah, Jess, wasn't he? So Rob's my boss. You can feel sorry for him. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so my role is to support and to develop and to walk alongside lay people in this diocese. So it's quite big, really, because it's quite a lot of lay people. Um, but it's really exciting that Newcastle Diocese have done this. But not only that there's a full-time job for somebody, but that actually I'm lay. So the people that have done this kind of role before have been ordained. Um, and they've been great, that's fine. But it's, it kind of sets a tone, if we're thinking about where the church is going, that they've kind of taken somebody who's lay to do this job. And actually my colleague C, who does what I do but for clergy and for readers, is also a reader, so she's also lay. Um, so the direction that Newcastle are going is really saying something about enabling and equipping ordinary, I say ordinary, but ordinary people who have faith and vocation and calling and gifts from God to have confidence in what they're doing. So there will be training, you know, different courses. That's fine for people that want to do it. But all of you here tonight have gifts and a vocation and a calling. And you might not call it those words. You might say, well, actually, I'm the church warden, you know, or I'm on the PCC, or I do the hospitality, or I clean. They are all ministries. They are all gifts and they are all callings. So my role is really to get out there, to meet people. And if you said, I need some training in this, or we'd like to do this in Holy Cross, I'd say, great, I'll come along and we'll see what we can do. Yeah, yeah and I, I think, um, I've said it before, but I'll say it again, I think uh, Holy Cross is a great place, isn't it, where people can have a go. And I, I've noticed just in my short time here that lots of people are willing to get involved and get stuck in and uh, I'm, I'm hoping in the months and years ahead this will be a, a, a hub, um, an example to the, to the diocese of, of what it can be done and so um, Nicola's coming tonight but it's, it, she's not gonna, you know, that's not gonna be the last time we're gonna see of her, hopefully. Um, so we're moving just to shifting gears slightly um, thinking about which way for the church and uh, obviously uh, it's great hearing your, your story and I think that's part of what we need to do as a church is look at our story but uh, we want to know just a little bit about who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to me? Did everybody else have to think about that question? Yeah. Is it just me? Yeah. All right, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me tell you a story. A few months after I started going to St. Mary's, there was a few of us that were doing the Faith and Life course, and we went up to Almouth to the Friary up there. And at this point... You know, I was starting to think there was something in it, you know, all that kind of thing. And so we had a lovely weekend retreat. First time I'd ever done anything like that. So you join the brothers for morning prayer and evening prayer and share meals. But the rest of the time you've got some free space. And if you've been up to Almouth, um, they've got a beautiful library with a great big window. 
that looks out directly over the, the sea and the coast. It's absolutely gorgeous. And there was nobody else around. Now, I always think that Thomas is my favourite apostle. He gets blamed for being doubting, but he just, you know. So anyway, I was sat in the chair overlooking the, the window and the coast, and I, I remember saying, right, God, if you want me to believe all this stuff, you're going to have to, like, you know, show it. You know, I said about asking stupid questions. Well, anyway, that was another one. And to this day, I don't know if I fell asleep and dreamt it, but all of a sudden, and I know I didn't talk about this for months because I thought people would think I was strange, but I, I don't care because this is who Jesus is to me. I saw, you know when you see a figure and the sunlight behind them, so you can't make out the features, but you could, you know, you can, you know, there's a figure. And immediately I looked and I thought, oh, there you are, Jesus. And I was just bathed in absolute love. That's all I can say. That I was known inside and out, you know, the bits that I wouldn't even want Nige to know. You know, all of that kind of stuff. And it didn't matter because I was loved. And I remember thinking, how did I not know it was you? In that it was somebody that I'd known all my life. Um, and yeah, so for you can imagine the week after that, I was like, ah, I think I'm going a bit weird. It's a bit strange. And so eventually I talked to a retired priest at our place and said, look, I've got to tell you about this. Now, Eileen didn't, wasn't confirmed in the church until she was about 39, 40. So I poured all this out, feeling really vulnerable, because it's, you know, it's quite vulnerable to say that. And she went, yeah, that happened to me too. Now there's no, I'm not saying this to you to say, oh, isn't it special? But when somebody says, who is Jesus or what is Jesus to me? Jesus is the person who loves me inside out and who knows me inside out and who I know too, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. When I um, listen back to these podcasts, I encourage you to have a listen again. There is so much in it. It's just wonderful. It really is. And so uh, that was just an excellent answer. Um, but just um, uh, pushing a little bit further, um, if Jesus was um, the vicar here, now I'm just going to uh, just going to cut in here. Craig said to me because we've asked this question to everyone else before. Craig said to me in his Geordie accent, he said, "Look, when you ask the question, if Jesus was the vicar here, do you know what I would say? He would sort the heating out." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're on to that, we Ron? Yeah, okay, yeah. But. Uh, um, but if Jesus was the vicar here, what do you think he would be doing? I think that Jesus would be loving you, encouraging you, reminding you of the gifts that you've been given by God, equipping you to use them, and saying, get out get out of the building, open the doors, let people see what love looks like in this place. So not, you know, what Jesus might say if he was the vicar here compared to other places. It's all about context. It's all about knowing your place and being confident in sharing that with other people. 
you know, my own parish, uh, we're in vacancy because Rachel, who again came, who I like to call venerable to her face, I'm like, hi, venerable Rachel, she hates me. But yes, yeah, she was our incumbent before she went off, so we're in our third vacancy in 10 years. Um, and, you know, people aren't confident and it's hard work, isn't it? Especially after this pandemic. In the last two years, it's blooming hard and people are tired. You know, so where's the energy to go? Go out and do something in the community. Yeah, great. But in everything that you all do, Monday to Saturday, Jesus would be saying, be confident. Tell others, show others what my love looks like. Meet other people where they are. You know, don't expect people to be able to come in because it takes an awful lot to walk through the doors of a church if that's if you're not used to it, I know that, yeah. So find people where they are, love them as they are, but remember that you all have gifts. Yeah, yeah that's 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 really good. And that's really good what you've added to the conversation because uh that's something slightly different. Yeah, it's um there's a lot of steps, isn't there, between <laughs> coming to church, uh, and um, I think maybe we can all share in that, can't we? It's, um, and, um, and I love what you said about, you know, love. It sounds quite simple, but it's, it's not, it's a hard word. It's, you know, in the, from a nurse, what you said about hugging this, this man who's, uh, you know, large and, and, and heavy, and, and still you did it. It's just, uh, it brings weight, what you say. Um, and I guess really just what we're thinking about is, um, you know, you talk about going out, which is brilliant, and, and being church Saturday till whenever, whatever you said. Um, I can't remember the days of the week. <laughs> this is all recorded as well. Was it Monday? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, well, we're not here. Um, but why come to church? Why come into this building? You know, should we just close it? Should we just sort of meet, you know, in the pubs, cafes, you know, on the street corners? Why come into this building? Because this is a place of community and prayer, I think, and it's really, really important. Um, I'm also somehow on General Synod, so, you, so I'm kind of one of your General Synod reps, and the Archbishop of York at the minute is talking very much about vision for the 2020s and being bolder and humbler, and a mixed ecology is one of the big parts of it. And that mixed ecology is about being church in different ways for different people. To pray together, to worship together, to come here and share in fellowship and prayer and love is vital. And this is the building, this is the place, you are the people in your community who strengthen each other to then go out Monday to Saturday to live out your faith. For me, church is somewhere where we come together and we pray together and we strengthen each other to live out whatever we do for the rest of the time. And it's joyful and it's not always easy, you know, because all churches are or places filled with people who are aware that they're not perfect but trying to do good, I think. Um, and so this is the place where you get fed, where you're held. And we're going to, now we're into Lent, I want to just challenge you a bit here, Nicola. Um, and um, 
We want to know a little bit about your opinion of the future of the church. Now, um, do you think we can go back to the good old days when uh, we have large services? Um, or is there something different? Um, bear in mind, we're going to be cutting 20 clergy in the next few years. Um, just do the clergy have to just, just be split more? Or um, you know, what's going to happen? Yeah. I think we're at a point where, it dep- you see, depending on who you asked, the good old days might be different. So for some people, the good old days might be the 40s or the 50s. For some people, the good old days would be the 80s or the 90s. So we have to think about where are we now? We've been other places. Where are we now? What things are so important that we need to carry them on? The Church of England, I've heard, is very good at keeping doing things, even if perhaps sometimes they've kind of passed the sell-by date, shall we say. Um, So uh, for me, we need to really focus on what works in our context. What does church look like? So up in Embleton, where there's a vicar who's also the area dean, who's now got nine parishes, because they've all just, she's had to take them because they've been in vacancy for too long. I went up there and worked with people from all of those churches to go, what does church mean to you? How are you feeling about church? And at the beginning of that conversation, people were saying things like sad, despondent, empty. And yet, as we talked, and we talked about, if we think about transformation, but think about it as transition. So, not to go too deep, but, you know, think about Moses, as we heard, leading the Israelites through exile. We want to go back. We want to go back to where we were. We had food. It was great. You know, take us back. So Moses takes them back. And then are the Israelites happy? Or do they go, we're hungry? Really, you know, come on, can we not just go? It wasn't that bad there. Let's just go back. So if we think about transition, what is it that's really good that we want to continue doing? But honestly, what things are there that have passed. And we have to be brave in those decisions because sometimes it's easier just to keep doing what we've been doing. With regards to clergy, there are lay people, there are lay people here, and there are lay people right across this diocese who have the gifts and skills to work alongside clergy in truly authentic and collaborative leadership. It's a fact that we're going to have to lose clergy jobs. But what is also a fact are that there are gifts and skills in every single church who could work together. Yep, good, excellent. Um, So, um, we're going to open it up to the floor. Uh, If anyone's got any questions uh, for Nicola before one last question, and then we're going to continue in our service. So, um, has anyone got any Questions? Anyone got a microphone? Everyone's got it. One is ready. Is it you there, Chris? Just or is it you wiping your nose? Oh, okay, right. <laughs> Close. I 
hope I haven't stunned you all in a horrified silence. I'd say, yeah, it's um. <laughs> Karen, over to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What about a comment? Good. That's, um, Karen does uh, lots of things with young people, but other things too. So um, Katie's there. Katie's looking forward to getting ashed because she didn't get ashed in brownies. So it's good that you're here. She didn't get ashed at school and she chose to cheat. Absolutely. So that, that's, that's brilliant. That's why she's still there. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Well, I've got my final question. And so while I'm asking this final question, if you've got any other ones, please don't, don't be shy. Um, we ask all of our um, guests, um, you know, following Jesus is important. So how, how do you sort of spend time with Jesus on a regular basis? I have got better at this again recently because I have to say that lockdown, two teenager boys, a two-year-old um, worry. Um, at times, I would say that in all honesty, sometimes it's easier than others to be close to Jesus. Um, what I am at the minute doing a spiritual direction course. So that's on Wednesday afternoons. So you're trained to be a spiritual director. And that's, anybody can access a spiritual director. And it's just somebody to think about, to, or to help you think about where Jesus and where God is in your life. How are, how are they working? So definitely, if you'd like that, then, you know, are starting to get in touch with me because spiritual direction is really thinking about different ways of prayer different ways of thinking about god so i had that this afternoon and then every wednesday i go to a coffee shop in whitley bay and i park the car around the corner so that nobody knows i'm home because if the boys saw it they'd be like why aren't you home and i take an hour max to have a coffee and i take a book I don't read the book. I watch people. And in that people watching, I find Jesus, actually. And you find yourself praying for people. Or, you know, you're, oh, I'm not listening in, honestly, but you overhear <laughs> a snippet of conversation. And for me, I always find Jesus in people, actually. Yeah. I, I worked in the hospice, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so, I sometimes have to work at it. I'll tell you the truth. Sometimes it's hard. Yeah. That's really good. Um, just another comment. You, you were talking about uh, lay ministry, and uh, I was talking to you about um, all the dog walkers are out and about, and you come up with this great idea, didn't you, of like, having sort of like, I don't know, um, some, some free dog um, sort of equipment or, or being an outreach for the dog walkers. So, so it, there, there are so many different opportunities if people will have an, an imagination or enthusiasm, uh, and I'm sure the diocese can help too. And uh, so, um, yeah. Any other questions before we give Nicola a huge round of applause? Not even from Philip. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
I'll let you off. I'll let you off this week. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. I think one thing that I would say just quickly is that, you know, you can get my number or my email yeah. off Dan. Yeah. And the whole bit of my job is making relationships with people like you and getting alongside you and finding out what works. So don't be shy in giving us a ring or dropping us an email yeah. anytime. Let's give Nicola a big round of applause. So let's say together the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.